Welcome to Fresh Off the Boat. My name is Arjun Seth and I run uh, EdBrand. We are a college admissions counseling company based in New Delhi. Uh, today, I'm delighted to host this session with Rupad. Rupad is a graduate from a very prestigious University of Pennsylvania. He pursued computer science in their engineering school and is currently working in New York. We'll get to know about his life and his journey, but also I'm sure uh, the different trials, tribulations, uh, and his uh, experiences dealing with all of that should uh, be some sort, of, some sort of information, uh, inspiration to uh, our viewers, listeners. So, looking forward to this chat. First thing that I had in mind, Rupert, when I looked up your profile after a few years, was uh, you know this interesting journey of first making it to UPenn and then settling in there. What was it like? Uh, well, firstly, Arjun, thanks for having me. Um, yeah, so I, I think I'll jump straight in. Settling into UPenn was, it was interesting. Um, you arrive in a campus halfway across the world, which you've only seen in pictures, and then suddenly like, hey, I saw a Google image of that place. Oh, wait, that's my new dorm. I'm going to spend, you know, the next year plus there. Um, you know, the streets, the language, it's it's all a little unsettling at first, but I think you take solace in the fact that everyone's unsettled, whether they're coming from, you know, neighborhoods outside of Philadelphia, or they were coming from as far flung as, you know, myself from India or China or Japan or wherever they were. Everyone was in this melting pot, sort of trying to figure out what their path was. And I think that's where it became easy that you just found people who were trying to figure it out and you banded together. And then it pretty quickly became the normal. Super. And as you started navigating academics and social life, what were the early uh, sort of decisions you made, which then helped you sort of uh, not just settle in, but also thrive on campus? Yeah, I think, um, you know, it's the first thing, at least from the academic perspective, the first thing that really stands out is that the system is very different. You're given a level of autonomy that I think is if I may say so for students coming from my batch in India, we were very un unfamiliar with, like we were very used to a more scripted version of education. And here we are, we're being sort of treated like adults, like their assignments, their homeworks, you come to class if you want to, you can skip class if you don't want to. And uh, yeah, this is your final grade and there's no real going back from there. So, you know, I think everyone has to grow up pretty quickly. And that also meant understanding how the American system of education worked and sort of getting yourself into that. Uh, you know, having done science and technology, science, at least in India, I had an advantage, at least for the initial bit. But uh, I think getting yourself into that mold of where you are determining your own study material and you are sort of the master of your own plan was definitely a little strange. Um, in terms, and I think the other thing was that to that end, you also wanted to, you know, grow, spread your wings and participate in groups, meet people, extracurricular activities, whatever they might be. Uh, but you also wanted to balance that with what actually interests you, what your friends were going into versus what's going to take up so much time that you won't be able to focus on studies. So it was this balancing act that was also interesting. And it took a little while to figure out, but I think part of the college experience is that no one's going to give you that on a platter. You have to figure it out for yourself. So if you were to reflect back and think of two or three 
people or inspirations or even uh, organizations on campus that uh, uh, shaped your journey in some way a great part who or what would you credit that to sure um so i think the first person i would like to mention was my um, my sophomore spring computer science professor um algorithms professor so he was actually a visiting faculty from neighboring uh, rutgers camden and he was he started off filling in for faculty who was in sabbatical and the student body loved him so much that he started taking on classes and that was a bit of a low point for me because i'd just come off three semesters where my grades had consistently been going down i was questioning the decision to move from mechanical engineering into computer science i was like is this really for me am i you know the imposter syndrome was really coming to the brim at penn because you're surrounded by incredibly smart and talented people and i think he was the one who kind of he taught an extremely difficult class he taught it more rigorously than any other professor had but he really was the kind of person that if you email him at midnight and if you were really in trouble he would email you back at 1205 and give you know give you help so and i think that really helped me pull me out and uh, you know he really changed my academic career from there and i'm extremely extremely thankful to him even to this day um in terms of organizations i think i was involved in model un in high school and then in college i got involved in it as well um it's very different in college because it's not only the debating and competitive aspect but there's also the organizational aspects because the colleges upen actually hosts its own conferences one in india now in fact um so that was a very interesting part got to meet a lot of people got to travel to a lot of other schools and meet so i can attribute a lot of friendships in with people in other universities around the US through that program and i think those two were really uh those were really pivotal in kind of shaping my upen experience fascinating uh you know the thing about one professor inspiring you to sort of put that mm -hmm. extra and also then choose that as a major um mm -hmm. eventually what happened with your computer science degree focus and how does it really work if you were to explain it to a wide-eyed high schooler uh, what mm. are the different choices you can make with a cs degree it's kind of very Sh ubiquitous today and then sure. you were also pursuing it as a masters level so what prompted yeah. you to do that sure so so for me it was i think uh, the genesis was that initially i went in as a mechanical engineering major and um I think it was part way halfway through the tour when I said I don't think I really fit in here. And you know, the US is the promised land in terms of that you don't you don't get slotted into one major or one discipline and you kind of have a condemned to that for the rest of your education. You can move around, you can switch. I could I could have moved to Wharton if I wanted to, done something more radical, moved colleges even in fact. So for me it was okay, if not this then what? uh a lot of my friends were doing cs and i said okay let me take the introduction computer science class and you know in high school i'd hated it it was very monotonous kind of just doing loops and printing shapes on a computer screen and i really said what's the point in this and uh, i remember the first project was that we were actually asked to build a simulation of the galaxy where we had these little pictures and we had to write code to mimic how planets move around the sun 
And the final thing was this uh, simulation of the planets actually moving around the sun. And that fascinated me so much. I was like, okay, I'm going to dive straight into this. And I think from there, it's just a, if you like solving problems, um, and if you don't only like solving problems in a way that is just like, okay, this works, I'm done, but how can I make this work better? Is there a cleaner way to do this? I think computer science is really well suited for those kind of people. Um, in terms of the possibilities, they're really endless. Um, I think in every career choice at the moment, there is some uh, aspect where computer science or computer engineering is involved. Um, on the spectrum, I would say on one end, there's what I would call computer engineering, where you're really working, you know, with the the hardware, the networks, the how does information in ones and zeros in in as electrical currents really spread information across the world. Uh, so, you know, your data centers, your network engineering, your cloud, all of this kind of stuff. And then moving up the, the, the what they call the stack, you have more higher level concepts around machine learning, AI, data science, like what are the gleaning insights from large volumes of data, like uh, the statistical aspects around it. And you really kind of pick somewhere on the spectrum. I think it in one thing you do a lot in college is you take on a lot of projects. And sometimes you just find yourself gravitating towards some projects versus others. I was, I never really loved the low end or the, um, you know, the very, that low level, more infrastructure related projects. I like the more higher level stuff, uh, algorithms, data science, machine learning. So that's kind of the path I went down. Um, and then, yeah, in my master's, I felt in college, I had sort of spread myself a little wider to get a more diverse experience. And now that I'd zeroed in on what I really liked, I said, let me go pursue this in uh, higher studies and kind of flesh out some of the other aspects of my education that I wasn't able to in this particular field. Even data science, the masters that you're pursuing at NYU, uh, <laughs> along with a full-time job, so it's kind of a, a flexibility that you have living mm -hmm. in New York, I guess. Uh, is there other branches within data science that even at this master's course you can choose to opt for? And how does it work? Yeah, absolutely. So the NYU program is at the center for data science. It's a it's a very it's one of the first programs to offer masters actually in this field. And uh, the program was actually it was the brainchild of the person who won the Turing Award last year, Jan Likun, who's a pioneering researcher in deep learning methods. So you know, they, they've structured it in such a way that you can go through a couple of different tracks. So you could pick something, let's say, in computational biology. So the data science around genes and genetics and, you know, medical research, which is really pertinent given everything that's happening now. Uh, you can go on more of the mathematics of why all of these really cutting edge methods, why do they work? Like, what is the base intuition behind it? Uh, there's a field that goes more into its uses in, um, let's say in image recognition, so computer vision, like, and there's parts in robotics. So you really get to pick where you want to go with this. Um, for me, I've always been interested with the mathematics part of it. So that's kind of where I'm focusing. But I know there are peers of mine who work more on how can we take, you know, expensive, heavily, heavy to compute machine learning models and make them accessible on cell phones. So, you know, the whole problem is stripping them down to something that works on a mobile device versus other people are looking on how can we make robots walk the same way as human beings? Like how, um, 
you can have a robot orient itself that usually our ears use with the fluid in there to keep our balance. Robots don't have that. So how do they do that with their understanding of their, their ambience? And uh, so there are a lot of interesting problems. Um, and you know the world's really your oyster. There's so much research and there's so much interest in this space that you can really pursue anything and you will definitely find a niche going after it. Fascinating. Uh- very well sort of explained in terms of possibilities of data science. You really haven't questioned this earlier, so it is great to do that and get such a such an answer from you. So uh, looking forward to uh, understanding how your professional journey panned out, mm-hmm. is there something that uh, you stumbled upon? There were different uh, failures <laughs> or yeah. uh, you know, detours you had to take to finally get to <laughs> the industry you're working in? Yeah, no, it's a, it's a great question. I mean, I think it started really when I was a junior and, you know, I was looking for an internship. Um, you know, as, as an Indian citizen in the U.S., you're always cognizant of the immigration ramifications of your internships. So I was, um, I did want to burn the OPT time, so the time I get to work on my visa on internships. So I didn't start looking in the U.S. until my junior year. And, uh, you know, I was, I tried really hard. I was really interested in this scheme at Google. I interviewed, I thought I had it and then I didn't get it. And, you know, it was extremely disheartening. And I think that's part of the parcel that you didn't, you get rejected and you sort of have to dust yourself off and get up and get back onto the horse and say, you know, that will happen. Um, Turns out that actually when I was flying back to India and that morning I was about to accept the only offer that I had, Google called me back and said, hey, actually we changed our mind. We'd like you to come intern with us. So, you know, and this also happens. So you just have to be, you know, keep your chin up, your head up. And I think that's what I've always told students who are like, oh, you know, this is being difficult or I'm not getting any bites. And they're like, just just keep trying. Trust me, there's, you already have a degree from an Ivy League university. You're ahead of most people. Uh, perseverance is key. Um, I think from there, you realize that, college, being a college senior is the last time that you will ever be the top of the food chain in any capacity until a very long time. So getting into the professional life was sort of, you know, you're the new kid on the block. You sort of focus on learning and picking up as much as you can from the people around you. Um, And that's kind of what I did. And similarly, I spent two years at Google and eventually realized that you know, while they had taught me a lot and a lot of my professional development, I still attribute to my first manager. The problems I was solving was not as exciting as I thought or not as compelling to me. And, you know, I started looking out. Uh, New York, you will get a lot of recruiters who will reach out to you, especially if you're working at a company like Google or Facebook, and they will ask you to join other firms. Um, Recruiting is a whole interesting thing where you need to make sure that you don't give your resume to the wrong people because they will definitely misuse it. Um, But yeah, so eventually I started looking out. Um, I was interested in finance because there was a lot of opportunities for interesting applications of data and algorithms and machine learning. Um, I eventually found quantitative finance as sort of the, the best fit in that space and the most accessible. I spent one year after Google at a firm that, uh, you know, kind of took a bet on me to say that, okay, you have no experience in this space, but I think you can do it. Um, So I started there. And while I learned a lot, the firm did not, I think one of the things about finance is it's very volatile. So the firm did not actually last. 
And uh, so then I recruited out and landed my current job at PDT, which is another quantitative trading firm, um, doing things which are very much at the intersection of technology and finance um, and machine learning and using that to trade the financial markets. Fantastic. And I think we all hear of the evils of algorithmic trading and how hot money flies in and flies out of emerging markets. <laughs> yeah, but, uh, I guess uh, there is uh, technology behind it and there's something that you're kind of part of. Not saying it's negative, but I'm just uh, trying to uh, figure out if is that the space you're in, like investment management for companies? Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah, so I think, um, you know, the the algorithmic trading space got a lot of bad rep from uh, the Michael Lewis book called Flash Boys. And, you know, in all fairness, they were, there was, I mean, the particular kind that they, they invested in was front running, which basically said that we were going to, they were basically peep, peeping toms who were going to figure out what people wanted and racing them to the exchange. I think um, the way we approach it is a little different. Ours is more to take a more statistics-driven approach to the classical investment process. So being able to do this at scale, um, you know, when you have a, cons a normal firm, you have, you know, five or 10 analysts covering a sector. There's only so many companies you can focus on without losing quality. The, the great things about computers is that they scale very well, but they do not have the same level of intuition and insight that a human being does. So that's where the challenge comes in, that you can invest in more, but maybe not with the same depth. So kind of how do you balance that? And the objective is when you get it right, you can actually be very, very compelling, especially so. My fund, I think one of the reasons I joined them is that they're exclusively, the money that they manage is for teachers' pensions and state pension funds. We don't actually take money from high-value investors because for us, that is, the, that is the compelling thing, that we want to help people who do not, would not necessarily have access to these kind of resources while solving a compelling and, and interesting technical and you know, theoretical problem. Great. Uh, going back to UPenn a little bit, UPenn is obviously known for its mm -hmm. Wharton School and the legendary finance program, economics programs. Mm -hmm. Do you think there was something that you also did while you were in college as a rub-off or in classes with people that helped you make a decision to be at a financial firm? How did you prepare oh, yourself for this? Yeah. Yeah, so I think, you know, one of the wonderful things about Penn was that the schools will let you take classes in any of the programs. So I could be in engineering, but I could take classes in Wharton and vice versa. While the degree will not necessarily say that I took XYZ classes in Wharton, my transcript does. And, you know, knowledge is knowledge. Like you pick it up, you use it. Um, I think some of the really interesting classes that I took were definitely in this space. I still remember the, I took a class in mathematical modeling and finance that, really applied algorithms and coding and you know software engineering in a very interesting niche of pricing derivatives. Now, while this might seem like Greek to most people, uh, when you get into it, you realize that there's a lot of math that goes in. Um, in fact, the Black-Scholes equation, which won the Nobel Prize, is actually based on math, but it only works in a very small subset of cases. So how do you take something that there's no tractable mathematical solution, but use computers to come up to a best guess approximation. And I thought that was really interesting. And I think those kind of influences started rubbing off that uh, there's a lot of interesting problems, a lot of very smart people in this space doing very cool things. Um, maybe there's a place for me here. <laughs>
And right. I think that was probably the start where uh, the genesis of the idea came from. Super. An amazing connection with what you learned tangentially and then you apply it in yep. later life. Uh, I'm going to switch gears and ask you a few questions. Mm -hmm. uh, in this COVID era, <laughs> let's just say, mm -hmm. some lockdowns, shelter in place, uh, all of that, what changes have you deliberately tried to make in your life? What reflections, maybe one, two, or three things that you would like to share about what you do yeah. now? Um, I think I'll, I'll start with probably a personal one. Um, I think, um, you know, in the hustle and bustle of regular life, especially as, you know, you go from end of college to a young professional I think you tend to lose a lot of perspective on what relationships matter and what don't. Um, COVID has definitely given me a lot of time to reflect and think on that, on you know, what are the connections that I want to maintain? What are the people I want to reach out to? What are the people I want to keep close? And I think I've tried my best to stay connected with them as far as possible. And I think that's been refreshing because some of these old lost connections I've been able to pick up uh, using this time. Um, I think the second thing has been, which is a lot of people have talked about this, but you know, this is a kind of interesting time where a lot of people feel that, okay, my other distractions of life are now gone. Why don't I focus on self-development or self-improvement or, you know, learning a new skill or, you know, improving, working extra hard at work. And I think that's all awesome. And for those of us who are, you know, privileged who have stability, who have a stable roof over our heads, and who have the motivation and the courage to do that, by all means. But I think one advice that I've definitely gotten is that, you know, everyone say that you're working from home, but I don't think the truth is you're working from home. It's more that you're at home and that you're dealing with a great upheaval to your daily life, and you're trying to work. And I think people should not be too hard on themselves when they're not, let's say, accomplishing every goal that they'd hoped to in this time, or they feel a little more unsettled than they maybe thought they would be. Because this is really, really unsettling. I think, I mean, for me, this doesn't really matter other than the fact that three or four months in my life, I've spent more time indoors than I probably have in the last 10 years. <laughs> but um, for a lot of people, especially, you know, if you were just graduating college or you're just graduating school and, you know, a lot of your plans have been just thrown up in the air and you don't really know what's going on. I would say just take a step back, just take a deep breath. Um, don't, don't try and make the best use of this time. And I'm going to put that in air quotes because, you know, best is relative, but just try and be at peace with yourself. Try and be as focused as you can on the priorities that matter most to you. And, you know, we'll, we'll come out of this. This is uh, this, as, as most epidemiologists have said, this is not the one that will wipe out the human race. So, so we have, we have good days to look forward to. And I think uh, I've tried to apply a lot of similar philosophy to my life as well. Uh, yeah. Your optimism definitely is uh, rubbed off me. I think this is information. <laughs> In fact, uh, my next question also you've answered as to what advice you would give to students who are stuck in a limbo, not very sure where they are after graduating from high school or losing their jobs or internships uh, when they're in college. Uh, I'm sure there are strengths that you could attribute to yourself personally and things that you care for in other people or value in other people. 
what were the what could be three words that describe your strengths um i would say optimist is definitely one of them um second is a pragmatist uh, people fault me for trying to break down every every problem like an engineering problem even relationships and personal ones it's a hit or miss <laughs> um i think the third one is uh i think the third one is just i like to be dependable i uh especially for people whether it's family or friends in this time i like to know that they're there for them and i may not you know take every call or um you know answer every text but if they need me i will i'll be there and uh, i have the same faith of others and i think that helps me get through a lot of difficult times definitely that's a uh, honest answer and very insightful indeed not many people in this podcast have mentioned dependable but yeah it's it's nice to hear it's refreshing uh, also looking back at your high school years and this whole journey of applying and mm -hmm. then sort of you know if you're a problem solver if you look at it from a uh, from a practical problem sort of lens i need to go to a good college what do i need to do uh, what is all the hype and noise about college admissions how do i cancel that noise and just stick to who i am and represent and find the right university and not mm -hmm. necessarily just an ivy league university so yep. what do you think in retrospect worked in your case uh, in the journey of applying and because i remember you really enjoying yourself you know in the mnaing the other things mm -hmm. the hustle and you know creating yeah uh, you know groups in different cities and being really involved in india uh, so yeah just just from in your words what would you think you did which worked out for you and and also yeah. things that you wouldn't want to do again because you felt that those were unnecessary yeah um i mean i think I I don't touch on this a lot but like my you know I I follow this philosophy of life is what happens to you while you're busy making plans and uh, you know my journey to Penn was very similar like I actually never envisioned coming to the US I went through most of high school saying that I don't want to go that far I'm going to go to Singapore that they have amazing engineering programs and then you know after graduation for better or for worse there were either think research that i did not do thoroughly enough or i fell short and i that was no longer an option available to me and that i had to take a gap year after high school and i think that gap year maybe set me apart in some way but it also did teach me the importance of failure early on uh, that uh, you know you can you can your plan can be executed perfectly but you can there are hidden externalities that you can never really account for and that's that's how life works and i think that's one of the beautiful things about data that i really like is that you know all models are wrong but some are useful and i think that's kind of how i try to approach life as well um i think hindsight's 2020 a little bit so there are things in terms of you know maybe i should have attended one extra class or maybe not taken all the hard and interesting classes and maybe bolstered my gpa a little bit but i think in general the biggest advice i would say is that what the path that's going to happen is sort of just going to happen there's no way to predict it just be true to what you really want 
And I think that was the really th big thing that helped me. Like there were certain key ideas that I latched onto that these are things that I want out of life. These are things that I want out of my career. These are things that I want out of my relationships. And I think I just tried to make the best decisions at each point in time to that goal. And, you know, just don't lie to yourself. Um, if you are trying to go to a college in the US because you think it is impactful and it will look good on your resume and your parents will be proud of you, but actually you do not want to do that and you want to do theater, don't pretend like you're going to be able to, you know, get through engineering happily because you will probably make yourself miserable or someone else miserable. I think being true to myself after graduating high school really helped me a lot. And um, in the cases where I wasn't and in the cases where I was lazy or maybe took the shortcut, um, I wished I would have listened to myself and just, you know, stuck it out a little better. And, uh, you know, overall it worked out, but, uh, and again, as I said, hindsight's twenty twenty. but uh, I think this has since then definitely been the one thing that's helped me in good more often than bad. This, this has been a fascinating conversation with you, Dhrupad. Uh, thank you. Thank you for reconnecting. And I look forward to uh, inviting you to our panel discussions uh, in the future. This, there's so many things I can already think of and topics you could uh, uh, speak on as well as uh, share insights. So thank you. Thank you for your time.